0: Okay, so this is our last episode, right? This is it. We made it. We made it. Um, I never want to listen to this band again.
1: Stop! I do! I'm coming away feeling good about it. Not all
0: of it. (laughs) And welcome to Minor Notes, the podcast where we share our thoughts about an album from top to bottom. No skips, and we give some Minor Notes. That is Kate Griffin. And
1: that is Gabby Alvarez. Welcome. If you're new here, Gabby is a music business professional, and I am a songwriter. And this entire second season of Minor Notes is dedicated to the discography of Foo Fighters.
0: Yes, and today we're going to be discussing the band's 10th studio album and the last episode of this series, Medicine at Midnight. Yeah, we made it. We made it. Um, I never want to listen to this band again.
1: Stop, I do. I'm coming away feeling good about it.
0: Not I mean, I it. feel really good about it. I think there, we listened to some really good albums, but... Just 10 albums of the Foo Fighters was a lot. It's a lot of Foo. It's a lot of Foo and it's like a lot in the same exact sonic space. Even though there's like bits where they reach their tentacles out. But it felt like a lot of the same. I hear you. I hear you. Look, even Biggie is so tired he's of
1: it. Ex- he's like, these guys again? Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't <laughs> do looks this. Like, I can't even tell where his head
0: is. <laughs> Bowser too. Oh. They're both. Biggie's head is the closest
1: to... Oh, us. I got it.
0: There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like He's mopping. like a mop. He really He's is. like a mop right now. Um, well, do you have some history? We usually have a guest, so I guess it's fine that we talked about the guests again are Biggie and Bowser. Yes. They,
1: again. Sleeping through the whole thing. Sleeping through the whole the thing. At least guest. they're not
0: barking. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Wait, I, the, <laughs> the night is young. <laughs> um...
1: But I do have some
0: history. I do have some. Yeah, tell me. What do you got? Okay.
1: So the band released Concrete and Gold in 2017. They toured a ton. And in October of 2018, they announced that they'd be taking a break. And then less than a year later, in August of 2019, Dave had begun writing and demoing new material. So this is kind of what they do. They say, like, we're done, we're taking a break, and then they come back sooner than expected. So, October of 2019, they started recording in a 1940s home in Encino, California. In November of 2019, one month after recording started, Dave was quoted as describing the sound of this album as fucking weird. Uh, the recording process went very quickly, which Dave partially attributed to the recording location where he was quoted as saying, strange things kept happening. I knew the vibes were definitely off, but the sound was fucking on. We would come back to the studio the next day and all of the guitars would be detuned or the setting we'd put on the mixing board, uh, all of them had gone back to zero. We would open up a pro tool session and the tracks would be missing. There would be some tracks that were put there that we didn't put on there. But just weird open mic noises. Uh, Nobody was playing any instruments or anything like that. Just an open mic recording a room. So I was like, okay. So the place was haunted. That's what he's alluding to, yeah. Apparently also the band got some quote unexplainable video footage but they couldn't share it because they signed a non-disclosure agreement with the person who owned the property who planned on selling the house. So I guess that exists somewhere and we can't see it. Uh, But they finished recording in February of 2020. And at the time, the band announced uh, a tour called The Van Tour 2020. It was a 25th anniversary tour where the band would perform in all of the cities that they had uh, been to for their first North American tour, but they were going to play larger venues. And then one month later, the pandemic hit. Originally scheduled to run in April and May of 2020, the pandemic forced the band to delay the tour to October and December. In May of 2020, the band announced that they had indefinitely delayed the album's release while they were trying to figure out how to promote and sell the album post-pandemic. But then Dave later decided just to release it during the pandemic. Uh, He figured listening to new music could lift people's spirits, which outweighed his desire to tour in support of the album. So that was kind of interesting. He did what they had to do what a lot of bands did at the time is they just released it because no one knew how long this was going to take. Yeah, why wait?
0: Just put it out there. Exactly. So that's my history. Okay. Well, Medicine and Midnight is their 10th studio album. It was released through RCA and Roswell Records on February 5th, 2021 after, as you said, having its release pushed due to COVID produced by Greg Kirsten. So Greg's back. Yep. And this is the last album to feature Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah. Which sad so sad so sad it's also very short which i really appreciate yeah i liked it i liked it too i i'm pleasantly surprised by how much i liked this album so let's jump into it um track one making a fire making a fire this was the fourth single
1: released june 8th 2021 i love this song immediately I think it is a fantastic mix of heavier riffs and lighter, fun vocals. Mm-hmm. The use of the tambourine and the na na nas is just like
0: the most fun 90s vibe I can imagine. Do you know, my first note is, is this Hanson? Shut up, Gabby! I literally wrote, this
1: makes me think of Hanson in the best way possible! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. my God. I have another Hands and Reference coming up. People are going to shut <laughs> us off. But I can't believe we were... Okay, I feel so validated. Mm-hmm. Aligned. Aligned. I put that I uh, I love each section of this, but I feel like the pre-chorus feels the most Foo Fighters to me. Yeah. I also feel like this sound is a very natural progression for them. I think it's still listener-friendly rock. It's just like a couple small tweaks from what they usually do without going overboard. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. they go over. Overboard in a new direction, but this wasn't that. This was good. I think this could have been a good first single. I have a different choice for what I would have picked. It's a single, but it's fourth, so it's, like, kind of far down the line. Yeah, yeah. Some of my favorite lyrics were, Hallelujah, spread the news, but don't believe the hype. Luck be damned, I took a stand and finally hit my stride. So just, like, nice little wrapped up. Good vibes. Just good lines. Good lines. I was very happy with the lyrics on this album. Um, And then from Song Facts, I have a quote from Dave. A lot of our favorite records have these big grooves and riffs. I hate to call it funk or a dance record, but it's more energetic in a lot of ways than anything we've done. And it was really designed to be that Saturday night party album. It was written and sequenced in a way that you put it on, and nine songs later, you'll just put it on again. You know, songs like Making a Fire, to me, that's rooted in Sly and the Family Stone grooves, uh, but amplified in a way that the Foo Fighters do it. I to- everything he said is like spot I love on. I that. Yeah. For I have sure. listened to this album over I just let it keep going. So it's he, they did a good job there. Uh this song also features his daughter Violet on some of the very high backing vocals, which I thought was cute. Cool. So cute. And this was the very first song that they recorded.
0: Okay. I like that this is the first song they recorded, and it's first on the album. I love There's that. something about that I enjoy. And not at all out of the gate a sound that I expected from them. So the minute the na na's hit, I was like, hold up, what is this? Uh same. Where Are we going? (laughs) You mentioned that each, there's different sections in the song. And each section is like a little different. Yes. There's like a new sound in the background, like a new instrument or a new groove or something. Yes. Which I really like. But I think like overall, not in all tracks, but in some tracks and overall in this album, there's a little too much of that that makes it a little not cohesive. But I think it's fun. Okay. Okay. It's super fun. Yeah, and I love I love all the new sounds. I was just out of the gate. I was like, oh, this is a very different album. Yes,
1: very different.
0: And that, and it makes
1: this song a very good opener for that reason.
0: Yes, agreed. Yeah. Um, there's also something about it, and I don't know if it's because they're working with Greg again, and he's like a pop guy, mm-hmm. but something about this song also sounds like a car commercial. Like it sounds like a yes. Very commercial-friendly, like radio-friendly, yes, totally. Very, 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 very polished, shiny, yes. for the masses, easy to listen to kind of stuff. Totally agree. But, you know, hey, that's fine. To- I'm, I'm here for it. After the last I'll album, take it. I need it. That was bad.
1: Yeah, it was rough. All right, track two, Shame, Shame. Shame, Shame. This was the first single, November 7th, 2020. I like that. I think it's got a really good groove for a second track. I do love the rhythm. I don't know if it works as a first single, to be honest. Mm. I feel like it's missing a really big hook or chorus to be... It's still enjoyable to listen to. Like It doesn't bother me, but it just struck me as a weird choice because I don't feel like it accurately represents most of the sound of this record. It's different... But it's not that, like, dancey. So I don't know. But I do like it. I really like the cadence of the vocal and the slow climb down for the if you want to. Shame, Mm -hmm. shame, shame, shame. Like, I thought that was really great. And then from Song Facts, something really interesting I learned about the drums is that they were recorded in the stairwell of the house and they're actually looped. Um, So Taylor Hawkins admitted to the UK newspaper, The Sun, that he wasn't keen to use drum loops on the song. He says, quote, when you're a drummer... It's like the most insecure spot sometimes, he said, especially when you're Dave Girls drummer. So drum loops, I got a little threatened, but I listened to the final product and it's just badass. So I thought that was really interesting because they have always prided themselves, especially Dave, on like
0: yeah, the live drum live. sound. Yes. I find that that's interesting that, that they're saying they're using drum loops. Again, I didn't do any research about the background on this album at all, mm-hmm. but I got that vibe on more than one song. Oh, interesting. That like par- some parts were programmed. Yeah. Yeah. So that is not surprising it's kind of reminded me of muse this song that's the vibe i hear I got. it i hear that okay i got muse and again not at all what i expect from them i do really really like this song like though the opener was great i was like okay cool i'm hooked i'm ready hanson yes. like hello <sighs> Oh my gosh. um but i was like okay great a good track too i was afraid after concrete and gold
1: oh my god i think i had ptsd after that album
0: and it might be why it's given me Foo Fighters PTSD yeah, just that yeah, album alone. Yes, it was bad. It's a bad album. If, uh, wait till we rank them. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Oh. All right. Track three, Cloud Spotter. All right, Cloud Spotter. Love this.
1: The intro and the verses are giving me hansen Because they also have a very big funk influence. So there's like a lot of funk It's the percussion. It's the percussion.
0: The repeated percussion, the like wood block stuff, like all of that stuff is very sad. Hansen. Oh my God. I love this so much. Does Taylor know that? Well,
1: we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Oh, so sad. I'm upset now. Now I'm sad. (laughs) Um, But I do think this song is super groovy. Every time I hear it, I kind of start wiggling and dancing to it. Mm-hmm. But I also love the bridge, how we get a little medley. We get heavier. Yeah. And who would think to combine these two things but the Foo Fighters, right? This is what they do. Uh, I yeah. just think it's super fun. Uh, from Song Facts, a cloud spotter is someone who is constantly looking for the storm clouds, even when it's sunny. Uh, Dave Grohl describes the song as, quote, an anthem for the pessimist. He explained to OK Magazine, quote, I'm the type of person that says... Okay, let's figure it out if I'm presented with a problem. A cloud spotter is somebody who finds the conflict, or the difficulty in everything and has no hope. It's kind of a twisted love song for someone with this pessimistic, negative outlook on everything. Mm. I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, this was love the it. last song that they recorded. And shout out to Sean from episode three. He gave me a heads up that there is a YouTube series of commentary on each song for this album. Oh, really? And they're just like a minute or two long. And honestly, most of the video is Dave playing the song with his mouth. Like, do-do-da-da-do-do-da. He literally does it for every single song. It's like amazing. I'm like, why are they recording this? But in that commentary for this track, Dave states that in the 90s, while everyone was listening to grunge, he was listening to disco. And he even stated that all of the drum patterns on Nevermind are disco beats. I, I believe it I totally believe it and I was like this This is a person who's way ahead of their time so yes. a song like this kind of brought him back to that that 70s disco thing but I was like wow what an amazing thing to admit you're like one of the
0: founders of grunge and you're like just kidding it like, was just 70s I didn't love it yeah. I was not a fan yeah, yeah, of the yeah. movement I was listening to ABBA Exactly. exactly <laughs> amazing um i love this one i love the percussion again i was like i've never heard them do anything like this oh, before so cool just like all these cool little sounds and little elements in it were really really fun um amazed at how it doesn't sound like them i was just like this can't be the same band right it's crazy there e- there were a bunch of different sections which were all great sonically great my issue lyrically was they all felt very repetitive and it was like this block is going to be very repetitive and then the next block is new and fun and interesting but we're also going to just repeat the same shit over and over yeah and then we're going to do that again in the next section yeah which I was just like oh that kind of stinks but it was fun like still fun to listen to but just something I noticed I was like okay we're just like repeating the same exact not just lyrics but also noises which is why I, I was like is this looped Ah. Because they're like exactly looped in like a little minute and a half section, and then another one, and then another yeah. one. So maybe too much loop for you. Maybe too much loop for me, but I still loved it. I thought it sounded really cool. It's very cool. It's 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 a good one so far. It's yeah. like a win. Yes. Yeah. I agree. All right. Track four. Waiting on a war. Waiting on a war was the third single, January fourteenth,
1: two thousand twenty-one. And my first note is, this is the most Foo Fighter song I've ever heard. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I wrote, this sounds more like regular Foo. Right? Good old Foo, right? I feel like the melody, the chord progression, the fact that the pretty part is too long and the crazy thing that happens at the end is just a little short, very Foo. Yes. Like standard Foo. Yes. Yeah. At first I didn't love it, but the more I listened to this one, it really grew on me. I do almost wish that it was even longer and the full band part got louder and crazier and bigger. Mm-hmm. The drums on the end are sick. If you really listen to what he's doing, he's like a madman.
0: On the, it's, did you see Momo? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> he never makes an appearance on the show. Momo's Momo. like,
1: don't forget about me, everyone. This is he's like, show. watch me as I walk away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So Dave agrees with us because from Song Facts, he's quoted as saying... Uh, that Waiting on War is the most recognizable song off the album as Foo Fighters. So we all agree. Uh, But he also said that this song was inspired by his own fears of the Cold War growing up in the 80s. So he was always thinking like things were going to happen. But also he said he was driving his 11-year-old daughter Harper to school in 2020. And she had been hearing about Korea and everything going on, you know, with Donald Trump and the back and forth. And she asked, "Are we going to go to war with Korea?" And so Dave was quoted as saying, "How depressing is it that childhood could be robbed of that beauty and innocence by this dark feeling of dread?" So that's what waiting on a war is about—both his fear of war as a child, and then
0: hearing that During his own stars, children yeah. are afraid. I was like, "Oh, that's
1: that's cool."
0: Yeah, I I like this one. Regular Foo vibes, but I thought it only really got good when it got a little crazy at the end. Mm-hmm. But that part was not long enough.
1: Just not. Just give us
0: more of that. It wasn't long enough, but I kind of thought it was boring because it was regular Foo. Yeah, well, they introduced all this new Foo, you know? Yeah, they gave us three tracks of, like, we're fucking shit up on this album, and then they did the same thing on this one, and I was like, meh. Yeah, I I can hear that. I can hear that. It's still a good song, but... It was good. It was good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. (laughs) Um, It's still better than everything on the last album. Agreed. So... Oh, my God. Uh, All right, track five, Medicine at Midnight. All right, this one is too 70s
1: groovy for me. I don't like this. Mm, mm -hmm. I enjoy the choruses, but the verses are, like, they're just not, they're freaking me out. I don't like it. Uh, So far, this is my least favorite song. Mm, mm -hmm. The lyric that I pulled that I did like was, Medicine at Midnight, Ain't No Cure, I May Be Sick, But You Know I'm Yours. And actually, he pulls that out, and he told uh, the UK, The Sun... That it was his favorite lyric quote, because medicine represents some sort of healing and midnight represents desperation and people have some sort of desperation and are in need of healing, whether that's a vaccine or a fucking shot of whiskey before bed. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Also made me think of like, you know, Taylor Swift midnights. I'm sure she would have something to say about Mm -hmm. midnight, right? Of course she would. It's her favorite hour. That's it. Dave also likened the record sound to David Bowie's Let's Dance. And, the ti- and this title track in particular, he says, pays tribute to the 1983 hit. He says, quote, it's a huge fucking rock song that I imagine oh, opening I every that, festival. I hear Right? So he yeah. imagined opening every festival from here to Melbourne with this song. I hear the Let's Dance. Do not think it's a good song to open your shows with.
0: I agree with
1: both. I yeah. agree with both.
0: At first, the first, like, maybe five seconds, it sounded like Paramore. Uh-huh. And then I wrote, wait, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once he starts singing, it reminded me of, like, The Wallflowers. Mm. Or something in that vein, okay. in, that, in that vibe. I didn't love this song. Mm-mm. It kind of sounds like a theme song for, like... A show about bikers, like like cyclists? Sons of Anarchy, oh, okay. kind of not <laughs> like, like <laughs> motors. Because I'm hearing the other one. I'm hearing like it's a little cyclists? lameo. Like yeah, okay, yeah. Again, like this is another one that I feel like Greg Kirsten was like, this is co- like a commercial sound and like push them maybe, maybe mm. to go down this vibe where it's it sounds like. It sounds like Hulu called up the Foo Fighters and we're like, we're making a new show. We need right. a theme song. Give us a song. We're not going to tell you what it's about, but it's for Hulu. Write a song. We're going we're gonna to tell you that there's motorcycles in it. Right, right, right. Go nuts. Go nuts. And this is what they churned out. Okay. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. So I didn't love this one.
1: I just think it's also, maybe he just likes the phrase medicine at midnight. Because like, clearly they don't love this song. It wasn't a single and it's smack in the middle. So they recognize that it's not as strong as the others.
0: Yeah, and I honestly think they just named the album after it because it's a cool name. It is cool, and it is cool. I like that. I like that alliteration is how you get me. It's so good, and his reasoning makes sense. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm with it.
1: All right, track six, No Son of Mine. No Son of Mine. This was the second single, January 1st, 2021. I really like this song. As soon as it starts, the timing is tricky like it's you think it's going one way and then when the band kicks in you're like oops i was on the wrong i was on the wrong mm-hmm. beat and in the commentary i watched um it was him uh rami jaffe and pat smear and they all agreed and they were like kind of they were kind of like good thing we never went on tour because none of us started this song at the right time like they all couldn't figure out when to come in so i thought that was hilarious so we're back in this like metally. Almost southern rock vibe. I kind of got like a devil comes down to Georgia. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think the Cascading Oz. ah, Like really good. Super creepy. Um, I would have put it as a later single. I think it was too soon to put it as a second single. Because if you think about Shame, Shame and then this song, I think they both don't sound like each other, but they also both still don't represent this album. So again, with the single choices, I don't know why they're doing it. And then from Song Facts, Dave says, uh, this song is about addressing two-faced people in power. Lyrically, it's meant to poke at the hypocrisy of the self-righteous leaders, people who are guilty of committing the crimes they're supposedly against. And I kind of got almost like... Okay, I like that. Like an anti... Not on his end, because we all know how I feel about religion and music at this point. But I had a feeling like the whole idea of No Son of Mine was like a preacher. You know what I mean? Being like, No Mm. Son of Mine is gonna be gay or gonna do... Premarital sex or whatever it is, and I I caught that vibe. They were making fun of people like that, so I, yeah. I really liked it.
0: I like that a lot. Yeah. Um. At the gate, I was. Uh, this is a song that, and I said this before about this band. This is a Guitar Hero song. Hundred percent. So I felt about it. I could see myself playing it in the video game. Yeah. I was the yes. girl in the leather pants with the <laughs> bikini top. Do you remember her? Yeah, I do. No, no. I was there while was I no other it. option. <laughs> That was always the one I picked. I was like, this girl's bad. I think she had like a tattoo across her stomach. Something like that. Yeah. Something. Um, I love that the intensity, very slightly, like the intensity of their playing increases after like every new, the No Son of Mine part comes back. Yes. It would get a little bit more aggressive, which I was like, okay, dig it. Building to something. The guitars at the end are insane. Totally insane. They're so, like, the when they start shredding and going nuts, it's so good. And I think this song would be really, really fun to see live. Oh, my God. I would love to see it live. Yeah. Would be really, really fun. I like this one a lot. All right. Track seven, Holding Poison. Holding Poison. I
1: love this song. I feel like it's close enough to the foo sound that we know and we love, but it's just a little bit fresher. It's a little bit new. This would have been my first single pick. I think it's super radio-friendly, mm. easy to sing along with. Um, I think the change-up in the chorus with the dancy hi-hat is just genius. It's so smart. And I really like the instrumental bridge, too. It kind of goes to a less pop, more of a hard rock space. And in, like, the screamy harmony vocals that's happening, I kept hearing the song Tragic Kingdom from No Doubt. I can't remember how it goes. If you, I had to go back today. If you go back, it's kind of toward the middle end, And it just kind of, like, falls into this, like, dissonant chorus. It's still catchy, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of creepy. And when I kept listening to the song, I was like, I've heard this before. Like, where have I heard something like this? So it kind of feels like that. And in that little uh, documentary thing, Pat and Rami were describing it as witchy stuff. And apparently Dave will say that when he wants something to sound like dissonant and kind of creepy. He'll say, like, make it sound like witchy stuff. So that's like a phrase the band uses when they're songwriting. That's really funny. Yeah. I love that it's called Holding
0: Poison and it's witchy stuff. Witchy stuff. I was totally into it. I was like, yes. Um, I really liked, again, the sonic choices on this song, like all the new sounds. The wood block part that's happening during the verses I thought was very fun. But I felt like with the little additions that they weren't going somewhere. Mm. They were just like sprinkled in in certain parts. And it like, I don't know. I felt like connecting it all was not thought about. It was just like, let's add this cool sound here. And then this other cool sound here. And then this other cool sound here. But not really thinking about how to really tie it together. I did love the guitar solo at the end. Yes. Again, very fun. A very foos thing to have. End with a fucking solo duh. But yeah, while I liked it, I thought the the, the cool parts weren't going somewhere. Okay. Fair I mean, fair opinion. Yeah, yeah.
1: Alright, track eight, chasing birds. Chasing birds. My first note is yuck. I hate this. Uh I think <laughs> melodically it's kind of nice, but it has no business being here. Like we have taken a hard left. Lyrically, I do not enjoy this at all. I do like the backing vocals and some of the subtle building that's happening instrumentally. The longer I listen to it, the less I hate it, but it is still by far my least favorite. What I did think was very cool is the backing vocals are, I should have learned how to say her name, Inara, Inara George, I think is how you say it. She is one half of The Bird and the Bee, which is Greg Kirsten's band. Yes. Okay. But what he did which is so cool, is he sampled her voice and put it into a keyboard. So it's her voice through oh, the cool. keyboard. I love when people do that. Oh, I was like, you just made an instrument. How crazy is that? So that part to me is beautiful, super interesting. What really blew my mind is in that little documentary, I think it was called Track by Track, both Rami and Pat Smear say that this is their favorite song on the album. Ew. I was like, gross, gross. I, I, ugh. Anyway, from Song Facts, some critics have compared the delicate, pretty ballad to the songwriting of Paul McCartney, which is far away from the heavy rock music of Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. Who who compared this to Paul McCartney? I was like, come on. Uh, Dave told BBC that he learned how to play guitar as a teenager by strumming along to the Beatles. He says, quote, You know, to me, dissonance and chaos are easy. Having listened to a lot of very difficult music for my formative years, I eventually found that the challenge of simplicity and melody is more rewarding than just screaming feedback and distorted drums. Disagree with you here, Dave.
0: I disagree. Uh, the only note I have for this song is what a fucking snoozer. Uh, I just, this song sucked. It's so bad. I, I didn't understand. We were in such a good place so far oh my through God. this album. There's only one like eh song that I'm like, this shouldn't be on here. We get here and I was like, why? Why would you do this to the momentum of this album? Why would you add this stupid song?
1: And momentum is a, a great word for it because I mean like, Every album needs a ballad, right? But no, not this. They don't need a ballad. I actually would even say as I was saying that, maybe they don't need one. But if, if that's your goal, right? Like and I think you yeah. said in a previous album, like every album needs an acoustic or whatever. To me, Shame Shame would have been the ballad.
0: Fantastic. I would agree with that. So this good. song has no business being Ugh. on here. It was so shitty. Maybe mad. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. Um, all right, and just like that, we're at the end of this album. Oh like yeah. Which is another reason why I really love this album. I mean, album. kinda okay, say we're it. done. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Same. Uh, love Dies Young. All right. This
1: was the fifth single, November twenty second, twenty twenty one. I really I do like this song, but I don't feel like it's particularly great. I think it's a decent closer. Uh, I think the chorus is a little lame. The lyrics are not very good. I felt like it could be used in a movie. It feels super generic. To your point about the Hulu thing, this... Greg Kirsten. Yeah, this to me felt more like that. Like this would come on and the credits would start rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disappointing to me, Dave said this might be his favorite song on the album because of how it came together. Ew. Okay,
0: Dave. From Ew.
1: Gross. <laughs> so shitty. Uh, from Song Facts, as the Foos added instruments... They laughed away because they were doing things they weren't meant to do. Quote, we're not supposed to be doing the galloping flange guitar. We're not supposed to be doing the ABBA beat. But we were just like, fuck it, load it up, man. And then at the end of the day, we all had something we'd never done before. That Just because you can doesn't mean you should.
0: Agree. And I think that's my overall issue with this album is it feels like they're, they loaded it up with stuff and didn't sit back and really f- listen to the final product and edit. Like, take some shit out. It was the more is more philosophy. Yes, which I'm not into. I don't think that. I believe, no. Not on everything. At the beginning, the very beginning of this song, I was like, oh, I think this is about to be a banger. And then yeah. about 30 seconds in, I was like, never mind about that. That was a bad call on my part. <laughs> You're like, oops. Boring closer. I mean, it was fine.
1: In terms of, fine. It's fine. Of, it's
0: fine. You could have ended at seven, made it an EP. We would have loved it.
1: Absolutely. It would have been a stronger presentation. I also think it would have been better received. I was talking to Sean about this album, and I was telling him how much I liked it. Yeah. He really likes it, and he brought up a very good point, and he said, I think it didn't do well, well obviously, because like the pandemic kind of screwed everybody, but he said it was really marketed as like a dancey album. It was a dance funk thing, and I think okay. if they had just not
0: described it that way, people would have latched on faster and I agree that's really interesting for them to have gone out with that marketing message that they're making a dancier or album that's yeah. like not what their fans want to hear but if they just listened to the album they would, they have, would liked have liked it they would
1: it exactly just say we went in a, a more pop or maybe not even say no, that no you that don't even have to say that just
0: be like we experimented with some new sounds we're really excited about this record that's it
1: that's it people would have been because people aren't stupid they can hear yeah. what you're doing
0: they'll figure it out yeah. It's not hard to hear ABBA in this beat. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, overall, I like it. I'm
0: just... I don't... I don't know. I feel like real Foo fans... I feel like real Foo fans know. wouldn't like this album. Because it is, like, a very... It is, a, it is going to a whole different world for, for them sonically. Like, none of their albums are like this. But... it's true. As a fan of, like, a lot of genres... I really enjoyed this. And as a fan of like really cool instrumentation and just like be, not being afraid to experiment a little, get out of your yeah. comfort zone, I really, really like what they did here.
1: I agree. And I was thinking like you and I in particular would like this because we are pop girls. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're, we're rock girls too, but we love and appreciate a really good love. I love a pop, pop sensibility. Mm-hmm. I also think I kind of wrote Greg Kirsten off after the Concrete and Gold album because I was like this pairing is obviously bad. So I wonder if they gave him a little bit more say, or maybe they just got more comfortable with each other with this album, because this is a better representation to me of what Greg Carson's able to do. Mm -hmm. You know? I was like, okay, this sounds like an appropriate fit. Yeah. Whereas on the previous album, I was like, uh, this... Who is shining here? Nobody's shining. like this doesn't work.
0: I wonder like how early concrete and gold was in his foray of like producing rock music because he works with pop artists. That's so true. It's very I mean, I'm sure he's a very he's done a lot of stuff, so I could be completely yeah. wrong. Um, but it but maybe that album was his first like rock. yeah because it's yeah. not good. <laughs> it is not good. but this one is good so good I like this Um, alright what's your favorite track alright favorite
1: one is Holding Poison I, I listened to it was between that and ma- what is it Making a Fire it was between that and the first track Um, but I think Holding Poison is a little bit stronger so that's my favorite
0: mm-hmm.
1: my underdog I was struggling between Waiting on a War or No Son of Mine mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with Waiting on a War because at first I was like not really into it yeah. but it's grown on me and then, least favorite is obviously
0: Chasing Birds. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, my favorite is Shame Shame. I really okay. like this one. Okay. Uh, my least favorite is obviously Chasing Birds. Chasing Birds. Get that, that one shit out so of I here. Go get fucked. And yeah. my honorable is going to go to Cloud, Cloud Spotter. I thought the percussion that's was so a fucking good, cool. Yeah, that's a good choice. I that's thought choice. it was so cool. Um, well, we did it. Oh
1: my God. Who are we? This is like, what, 40 minutes? yeah wow yeah
0: it's a quick one all right so did you did you rank all of them i didn't rank all of them but let's do it right now okay well i think concrete and gold is definitely our bottoms it's It's my last one it's definitely 10 i have to look at the artwork to figure out i know right i I had to do that too (laughs) like hold on (laughs) Hold on. I was, like, going to look at my notes, but I'm like, that's not going to help me. No, I it's too to, long. I have to look at the albums. Let's see. Well, yours number one
1: is probably going to be Nothing Left to Lose.
0: My, yeah. There's Nothing Left to Lose is my number one. I'm going to say my number two is The Color and the Shape. Okay. Three is going to be Foo Fighters. Okay. Four is going to be One by One. Mm. Five is going to be... I think this one, Medicine at Midnight. Okay. Six would be Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Wow. Seven is Wasting Light. Eight is In Your Honor. Nine is Sonic Highways. And ten is Concrete Gold.
1: Wow, you did that so cool. you know I went over this for days? <laughs> I'm so impressed. Thank you. Okay, so a little variation. My number one is Color and the Shape. Mm-hmm. Number two is Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Three is Wasting Light. Mm-hmm. Four is this one, Medicine to Midnight. Uh, five is Echoes. So those are my tops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then my bottom is There's Nothing Left to Lose. Hater. You're a hater. Sorry. It's right in the middle. It's right in the middle. I was fair. Uh, one by one. <laughs> I was fair. <laughs> I was fair. Sonic Highways, In Your
0: Honor, Concrete and Gold. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. uh. You know what? I'm gonna make In Your Honor my second to last. I'll switch that one with Sonic Highways. Yeah, and then I was debate I was like, do I count In Your Honor as two albums? Uh, I was like, no, it's one situation. That one's actually really bad. So I'm gonna be eight Sonic Highways, nine In Your Honor, ten Concrete Gold. Okay, so then we're the same in the last.
1: Yeah, the last three are the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, those three are just not very good albums. Just Sonic not great. Highways for like that album really disappointed me. Just, like, the thought behind it was really cool. Yeah, it didn't deliver. It didn't deliver. And I think it was also very interesting because, like, Dave has always said, like, that where you record adds, like, a cohesiveness to the album. And then he intentionally made an album and he recorded in different places, which made an album that didn't sound put together. So then, a
1: question for you. This is Mm. something I thought about today for a while. What do you think the future
0: of Foo looks like? I'm not sure... I can't imagine that Dave would want to do this again without Taylor. Really? I can't imagine. And like his mom dying like a couple weeks later. I just think the guy might be spent right now. Hmm. I'm sure the band will come back eventually in some form and do something. Okay. But I don't, like, what would they do drum-wise? Like, would they have a new drummer? Would Dave be drumming on all the tracks? Like- so so this is what I think. I've, I've thought about this a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, for the first time ever, this has caused him to take the break from music that he always says he's going to take. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and re-energize. I keep going back to what uh, Troy was saying on our first In Your Honor uh, album. yeah. I think he might put out a sol- a true solo record.
0: I think he might. This could be the time. To I could do it. see him doing that. I think if he's going to do anything next, it's going to be a solo thing or a different project or a different project.
1: However, as far as the Foo is concerned, I really thought about it, and I think since the very beginning, this has been Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. I think it's been very
0: obvious. It's his band. And even the way the guys talk about it, it's Dave's band, whatever Dave says. And they're okay with it, yes. And they're all in, and that's fine. Everyone's in on it.
1: I have a feeling that eventually we're going to get another Foo Fighters record. All the regulars are going to be there. It's going to be Nate and Chris, probably Pat, maybe not Pat. He has a tendency to come and go, Dave. And I think Dave will likely record all the drums, and when they tour – He's just going to pull in a famous friend for the tour. And yeah. he's never going to say, we have a permanent drummer. They're never going I don't to think replace that's Taylor permanently. Again. No, But I think, and around In Your Honor, that's when they started featuring his famous friends. And in almost every album since, they've had famous friends. I think that's just going to so be a thing they do. I think it's just going to be Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters and famous friends. That's what I think the future of this band looks like.
0: Yeah, I would agree. But I and you know. I, I I can't imagine they're gonna do much more. I don't, you know, yo, I don't know. But every time, like how old a record, is Dave? Does he have another he's album in, his in 50s. him? Fifties. Oh, he retire. does. Retire, retire, Dave. <laughs> it's enough. Release your solo album, tour with the Foos for fun because the fans would love it. But like, like 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 greatest hits tours, you mean? Yeah, But yeah, like yeah, yeah, You yeah. don't have to. You don't have to write another one. Ten's good. Ten's a great number.
1: Ten's really good. And if they were to stop, I do, personally, I think this is a great one to stop on. Yeah,
0: I agree. Unless, you know, like, he wants to give the fans an album that sounds more like what they wanted to to end, I could see that happening.
1: I think if we get another Foo album, it's going to go back to angry, screaming, traditional food. Foo. That's what I think. Yeah, I'm in. Which that. I'm here for. I love it. Ha- happy to hear it. Uh, but I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't know what's happening. Mm. Well, that's all folks. That's it, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. The dogs say thank you too. Actually, they're yeah. just
0: looking outside. That's what they were saying. Thank you. And Momo is like, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>
1: the band above the moon writing and recording our theme song you can find them on instagram at above moon music or on their website above the if you enjoyed listening give us a follow or subscribe on your favorite platform and if you really enjoyed listening leave us a like rate us or review us so more people can find us you can keep up with news about new episodes on instagram at minor notes podcast or email us minor notes podcast at gmail.com minor notes is a finally cool production.